0: holding thecla on the boards in front of the 200 Dr Grayson Sudestin are challenging and better loosen up on the extreme outside Sudestin and gentlemen come away they're fighting it out Better loosen up on the extreme outside is drawing clear and better loosen up wins the Seno Sudestin second this Siprin podcast third, is brought third, fourth, to you Grace, by Racing fifth, New Paulist, South Wales Sky Racing and Pride's Easy feed. Time-honoured Carrington stakes will be 94 years old when the 2024 edition is run at Randwick on January 27. The race is named after Charles Carrington, who in the late 19th century served five years as the 16th Governor of New South Wales. The inaugural winner of the Carrington in 1930 was Pavilion, ridden by the legendary Morris McCartan, who in later years would become one of Australia's most successful trainers. Easily the most notable Carrington winner is the freakish Burnborough, who won the six furlong sprint in 1945, only one week after winning the Villiers, at a mile. His amazing versatility was again on display the following year when he won the Doomben 10,000 and the Doomben Cup 7 days apart. One wonderful old sprinter to make the race his own in the 1980s was At Sea who won 3 Carringtons for Theo Green. Another high profile winner of the sprint was Snippets in 1988. This brilliant horse had been the inaugural winner of the Magic Millions a year earlier and later in his career, added three group ones to his CV. He later became a highly regarded sire and sire of brood mares. Snippets died at 17 years of age in 2002. When the Carrington Stakes comes around, you know there's a new year of Sydney racing underway. Saturday, January 27th for the Carrington Stakes. Right off the top, let's head off any possibility of mistaken identity by emphasising the fact that this week's podcast guest is the talented Wyong horse trainer Damien Lane and not the high-profile Melbourne jockey whose name is almost identical. Trainer Damien Lane spells his Christian name with an E, Jockey Damien Lane with an A. In just 16 years as a professional trainer and with rarely more than 30 horses in work, Damien is nudging 300 wins, We sometimes hear of trainers who are prepared to travel to find the right races. Damien Lane has turned that into an art form. As recently as December the 17th, he took three horses on the six hour road trip to Canamble. Two of them won with Clayton Gallagher in the saddle. Damien has the best of two worlds on the Central Coast. He has a 25 box stabling complex at Wyong Racecourse and the use of a 4.5 hectare property at nearby Glenning Valley. Older horses and horses who don't do well in the stable are kept at the property under the supervision of Damien's father in law, Bob Law. When a gallop is required, Bob brings them into the racecourse, and the system works flawlessly. Damien was born and reared at Canamble, and before leaving for the Central Coast in 2007, He became a fully qualified carpenter, a skill which has served him well. We'll let the man himself tell you how his training career evolved. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the trainer who covers more ground than Burke and Wills in his quest for winners. Damien Lane, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Yeah, good morning, John, and um, really appreciate your time to um, have me on the podcast.
0: Pleasure's all mine, Dame. We're recording this chat on Thursday the 4th of January. You won a race at Gosford with Dyes on New Year's Eve and another one at Kemble yesterday with Quinky Deal who got there in the last bound. You're on a roll.
1: Yeah, things are, um, are going really well at the moment but um, one thing I learned early days was don't get too excited when the horses are going good and don't get too disappointed when they're going bad.
0: It's a happy medium
1: Yeah, I think you just got to keep that level head And keep turning up for work And um, yeah, I think if you ride the roller coaster There's um, too many dark times, that's for sure
0: Most Wyong trainers say there is no better location If you need to access city and country tracks You're in a great spot
1: Yeah, super spot Um, You know, with all the new roads and the freeways And that sort of thing I mean, if you draw a, a map, sort of four hours from Wyong, there's a there's a lot of race tracks that you can go to, and um, it's yeah, it's a really good spot. Obviously, the facilities are great, and the other thing that's really good at Wyong, I think, is um, all the trainers get on really well, and we always help each other out. And most of us have our own trucks, and um, you know, we sort of take it in turns who's taking the horses, and um, it's a really good sort of family atmosphere in there.
0: You can carry up to eight horses in your Isuzu truck, and you've also got a Land Cruiser and a three-horse angle loader if it's a light day.
1: Yeah, so we're sort of pretty well set up, you know. And obviously, there's some days where you might be, you know, you might be taking a few up to Newcastle, and you might have a, a runner or two in town on the same day. So you've um, you've got all the bases covered, and it's um, it's a, yeah, really really good setup that we've got at the moment.
0: You tell me you've got a set formula when you're taking horses away, uh, dependent uh, on the duration of the trip.
1: Yeah, look, I, I I tend to. There's probably an unwritten rule with me that if it's sort of more than four hours, um, it's an overnight trip, and um, four hours is sort of the, the the maximum we do in a in a day. It just sort of takes a little bit too much out of the horses. I feel if you do much more than that in a day, so. Um, yeah, look, it seems to work good for us over the years.
0: Gone are the days of crunching your way through five or six gears in those early model trucks. It's like driving a car these days.
1: Yeah, look, that you know, they are. There's not much difference really. I've got a, a you know, really nice Land Cruiser that's obviously lovely to drive, and the trucks very, very similar. They, um, yeah, that it definitely doesn't take it out of you like them old trucks used to.
0: Mm. Things have changed so much in the racing game, Damien. Many modern day trainers send representatives to the away meetings. You're very much in the mold of the old time trainers. You'd like to be there
1: I do I do look I know it's it's hard and um I can see why a lot of trainers don't do it, but um look, I just feel that um you know I like to be at the races, especially if you've got owners turning up and Um, you know, I feel that, you know, they go to the races and see their horse, they want to see the trainer and talk to them. So um, obviously we can't do it all the time, but I I try to get to as many race meetings as I can, which sometimes it might be three or four days a week, but um, that's just what I feel is part of my job.
0: Your father-in-law, Bobby Law, plays a pivotal role in the running of your operation. (laughs) Bob looks after things at home, and when one of those farm horses needs a decent gallop, he puts them on the track and brings them into the track. You're spoiled.
1: Yeah, he's been he's been great for us. Um, you know him and his wife Jen. They um, Jen looks after all the spellers and the and the horses in work out here and Bob carts them in. And um, it's just uh, takes a little bit of pressure off us. Like you said in the intro, you know them horses, them older horses that um, you know get a bit tired of being in a stable life. Or you know sometimes you get them fillies that are a bit finicky in boxes. Um, they like the, the um, environment out here at the farm. It's only about 10 minutes from the track, so it's not a long trip for mm-hmm. them. But um, there's some, also a lot of um, nice day yards that, with some grass in them that we will bring a horse out after they race and just give them a few days out to get their head down. It's amazing how um, I think you can give horses lots of different things to try and get them over runs, but nothing gets them over like a couple of days out on some grass.
0: For younger listeners, we should explain that Bob Law was a very good trainer in his own right some years ago. Bobby rarely had more than eight or ten in work, but he maintained an excellent strike rate and he earned a wonderful reputation as a marvel with unsound horses.
1: Yeah, that's right. He's um, Obviously, he'd retired before I come onto the scene, um, but he's got plenty of old VHSs and um, and newspaper clippings up there that I've been through, and obviously, he had a, had a great career that was probably cut a little bit short um, from circumstances, but um, he's been a, a great asset, and he's a, a good man to get advice from.
0: Members of the older generation will remember the names of some handy horses to win for Bobby Law, horses like Peaceful Kingdom, Brits Kingdom, who won a Summer Cup, Sir Patrick, who won a Stan Fox, uh, there was Hunter Kingdom, El Barco, Lombardi Lad, Little Miracles. I bet you've heard those names mentioned around the dinner table a few times.
1: Yes, I sure have. And, and um, probably the the other one that, that comes to mind was the private steer story that... Um, she actually started off with Bob and didn't race for him, but um, that was the one that he said got away. So um, yeah, obviously had a had a great career and was um, uh, had a lot of nice horses over the years.
0: There were two other horses Bob was able to resurrect after serious injuries, both of them previously trained by the late Paul Sutherland. The first one was Sound Horizon, who won an Epsom for Sutherland before succumbing to a suspensory ligament injury. Bob later won a listed Warwick Farm Spring Cup with Sound Horizon, ridden on the day, Damien, by the late Ken Russell.
1: Yeah, Bob talks about that quite regularly, actually, and, um, um, yeah, obviously, but, you know, it's a good story when you can get horses back from serious injuries like that.
0: He had another one called Kingston, or Brixton Town, I beg your pardon, not Kingston Town, who <laughs> He'd run second in Bozam's Derby for Paul Sutherland before coming up with a tendon problem. Bob got him back to win the same race, the Warwick Farm Spring Cup, Shane Dye in the saddle, and he also won the Group 3 Kingston Town Stakes with Kenny Russell. Bob did a great job with those two old crocs. I imagine he'd be a great sounding board for a young trainer like yourself.
1: Definitely, definitely um, you know as I said, uh, you've got any issues. Um, he's the first to put his hand up and come into the track and go over them with you and uh, offer his advice and um, he's been a big help over the years, that's for
0: sure. Well Bob and Jenny's daughter Kate, is not only your wife, but she's your best mate and your almost indispensable track work rider. You tell me she can ride anything up to ten or twelve horses in a morning at Wyon.
1: Yes, that's right. she's um she's also um, you know uh, does a lot with the staff and the, just the out and out running of the business, so um, she's a definitely a valuable asset, that's for sure.
0: When you first began training at Wyon, Kate was working for Alan Denham just across the way there. Now, it wasn't long before you not only won her affections, but you pinched her from the denim stable. I hope Alan copped that sweet, did he?
1: Um, I think so. I think he got over it in the end anyway. <laughs>
0: yes, I'm sure he would. Well, riding work most mornings with Kate is your very talented apprentice, Anna Roper, who resumed recently after serious injury, August in fact, and as we record this chat, she's in ninth place on the New South Wales Premiership ladder with well over 40 winners. Horses just love this girl.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, she's just, she's got a knack, she's got a gift, um, but she's also very dedicated um, and she's a very hard worker. She's, um, she's there bright and early every morning and, and she's the same, you know, she'll ride a dozen a morning and... And um, as soon as she's finished, she'll start wandering around to the other trainers and and um, ride a few outside horses as well. So, um, but look, she's she's definitely got a head screwed on and she's got a very bright future, that's for sure.
0: Well, she's still claiming two kilos on the provincial circuit and three kilos in town. That's handy.
1: It sure is, yeah. And we've we've kind of um, put the brake on a little bit in town, and we're just trying to. Um, use as much of that provincial claim as we can before we, we allow her to go back to town. We just sort of found that um, we are getting offers and, you know, I think she probably could have been riding in Sydney every Saturday if, if we wanted. And, but she would have, you know, she wouldn't have got to utilise that three kilo provincial claim that she had. So um, we've just come back and concentrating on the provincials and then um, hopefully we can um, start going to town at the start of next season.
0: Let's turn back the clock, Damien, your affinity with the Central West obviously stemmed from the fact that you were born and reared in the famous township of Canamble. Your late dad, Frank Hodgson, was a jockey who won two Western Districts Apprentices Premierships in his day. You lost dad much too soon, in 2011.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think at the time he was only 54 and um i'd only i hadn't been over on the coast long and um he was um i love racing obviously um he was a an out and out horseman um he was sort of you know he rode and then he trained for a little while he was he had a few seasons on the rodeo circuit in the saddle bronc um and then he he was a drover for a lot of his life and worked on stations and that sort of thing and um he yeah obviously Cut um, well too short. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I'm sure, um, you know, if uh, how things turned out, that I'm sure he probably would have ended up moving over here and being a part of the team. But oh um, that wasn't to
0: happen. Dad's brother, Sess, was your mentor and your role model as you were growing up. Now, Sess has been a very successful small team trainer for many years. And he's only recently come back to training after an absence. Good horseman, they tell me.
1: Yeah, great horseman. Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough, John, where I grew up um, in our family home was literally uh, straight across the road just about from um, Sess's stables. So um, I think, mean, most of my cousins um, all at some stage spent some time with Sess and... Um, I uh, I just loved it we sort of had ponies and um it was just a yeah something that from a young age uh, I just loved racing and I can actually remember going to to Warren to a Golden Fleece meeting oh, I was only a kid and you actually went out and called um that was a, a long time ago but um mm-hmm. racing was huge in Canamble back in them days I you know um obviously Johnny London had a big team of horses and Sess and the Swansborough boys and um, Robbie Harrison and um, you know it was it seemed like every second person in Canemal had a couple of horses in work in their backyard back in them days and mm. um, it was just a yeah really good really good time to grow up out there then.
0: Mm, gee, I well remember the Golden Fleece race meeting at Warren. There was a fellow called Bob Ellis on the Warren Jockey Club committee at the time who had a dream, Damien. Wow. And that was to see a a mile-and-a-half race run on that beautiful big race course way out west. He dreamed of seeing them jump out of the gates at the furlong pole in the straight and then going one complete circuit. So what did we do? We invented a a mile-and-a-half race and we gave it an appropriate name when you consider that Warren is in the heart of the Merino country. We got a unique trophy. It was a gold-plated Merino ram. And, uh, gee, it was a fabulous day, as you'd recall.
1: Oh, uh, it was, I can, as I said, I can remember, you know, I think would have been early 90s. I was only a only a boy and I can still remember them. They were huge crowds and um, back then, obviously it happens a lot more now, but back then it wasn't very often that you'd get the, you know, the Sydney trainers and jockeys and, and that sort of, to, to go out to that area. Um but they were going for that race and it was, um, yeah, it was a a huge thrill to go to them races.
0: By way of explanation, we should say you took your stepfather's surname at an early age.
1: Yeah, that's right. So um, mum and dad split up when I was quite young and um, both remarried and, um, and, uh, yeah, I took... Cole, my stepdad's last name, um, mm. and um, since mum, mum and Cole had four other kids and um, and dad remarried and him and his partner had a couple of kids as well, so we've got a big family and, um, mm. yeah, we all um, we all still keep in touch quite regularly, which is good.
0: Wonderful. Mum and Cole still live in Canamble and I imagine they'll be tickle pink whenever you take horses there. You probably stay with them, do you?
1: I do, yeah, and, and hence the reason, you know, um, that, that six-hour drive out there is probably a little bit further than we normally go, but it's um, it's obviously uh, um, good to get home and see all the family. And, uh, yeah, so that's one of the main reasons we head to Canaanble whenever they're on. Your
0: yep. mum, Narelle, did you a big favour when she insisted you gain a trade, something you could fall back on if necessary in the years ahead, and what did you do? You became an apprentice carpenter.
1: Yeah, I can't say I was thrilled about it at the time. I, I, <laughs> I had my heart set on um, just working in the stables. As I said, it was just something that I'd, I'd always wanted to do. I didn't really want to do anything else, but um, I am really glad that she made me do it. And, um, I, yeah, I'd done, I'd done a, an apprenticeship there in Canamble and, um we actually worked in a glass and aluminium shop and done some building and all that sort of thing and uh, I had to go to Dubbo to TAFE. I think it was three days every three weeks and um and I sort of done that for a few years after my apprenticeship as well and um and and has sort of had the horses before and after work, but then um just yeah, I think the time come that um I probably I'd outgrown Canambal I guess to a degree and I wanted to go and see what else was out there and um lucky enough that i had some family on the central coast and um that's where we decided to go i didn't think i'd probably still be here mm. 16 years later whatever it is but um mm. that's worked out good
0: just before we go to your move to wyong just go back a little to uncle Sess, who encouraged you to get a trainer's license of your own at a pretty early age you actually had a few runners before leaving Canambal. any winners
1: no, no, I didn't actually. I, I, had, a, um, a runners, um, I had a a few runners. I had a my mum's brother, um, Andrew White, who um, he um, he's been a, a good role model for me over the years. And he had a trainer's license, and he just had a couple of horses in work. And um, and where we had the glass shop, an aluminium shop that we were running, um, that's where he lived, and he had his horses there. So. We, um, I was kind of helping him out, and we um, we had a few winners, and um, and then yeah, I decided to get my own license, and it wasn't too long after that um, was when I made the move, and then I didn't um, I didn't train for the first few years that I was over here, but um, mm. I'd always I'd, I'd still had the license, which was handy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you've said many times that the main reason you selected Wyong as your new home base was the simple fact that your stepfather's brother, Philip, happened to live there and he had a spare bed.
1: Yeah, actually actually, my father's brother, Philip. Oh, was yeah. Philip's another one of the Hodson clan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he also trained as well in Canamble mm-hmm. when I was younger and I I learned, um, I learned a bit off Uncle Phil as well. And, yeah, um, I'm really sort of close to um, Phil's... Mm-hmm kids. Um, He had three kids, Michael, Sean and Nicky and Mm. um, at that stage they were living over here Mm. on the coast and they had a spare room and obviously they were um, doing some work in at the track at Wyong as well so it just um, seemed like the right fit.
0: And philip has been a long time member of the team, I think he's still with you.
1: Yeah, so he he obviously trained um, for a while um, himself here at Wyong as well and only ever had a couple of horses and, and done a really good job with them. And um, and then once he gave it away, um, yeah, he's been very handy for myself. Um, he's got a truck license so he can drive the truck to the races or comes in of a morning and helps out where needed and um, so my cousin Nikki, his daughter, she's just um, just got her trainer's license now as well so he um, he does a bit for her as well so it's all worked out.
0: Well, rather than rush into the uncertain business of training in your own right, you decided to gain further experience by working for other trainers. You work for two, in fact.
1: Yeah, so I um uh, first off, when I first moved um, over to the coast, I worked for Rod Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, actually myself and Alan Keogh is a mate of mine that trains here at Wong as well. Also, we moved over here at the same time and um rod bailey had uh um ha- had a gig doing a lot of breaking in at the time um so we sort of took that over and we were um breaking in horses out on a out on a little farm out of, just out of wyong and um and then working for rod of a morning as well and um, done that for a while and then um ended up at michael clouts michael and russell clouts mm-hmm. for a while and um it was actually when I was with Michael that he um, I decided to to um, renew my license and get um, get a horse, and he gave me a couple of boxes uh, at the stables that I could use, and uh, mm-hmm. that's where it sort of went from there.
0: Well, finances were in a fragile state at that time, so you jumped at the opportunity to take a full-time job as a member of the maintenance team at the Wyong Racecourse, and this is where. That carpentry background was regenerated.
1: Yeah. It was um it was just a perfect fit really, John. Um I think back them days, I think we started at might have been eight thirty till till three or three thirty. Um obviously you couldn't do much until the track shut. So um we didn't have to start real early, which allowed me to go in and do my horses and um and then go to on the track during the day and then go back of an afternoon and do the horses and it just worked um worked out perfect it was though were long days don't get me wrong um mm. but yeah i had at the time um chris allen was a um was the track curator at wong and and um he was a, a, a good mate and um yeah he really helped me out you know if i needed a day off to go to the races we'd sort of work it out i'd just sort of plan ahead where i thought i was going to be going and mm. um Yeah, it was really good up until sort of the time where we, you know, we just started getting more horses and, the the, you know, I felt that I wasn't doing justice um, working on the track. I didn't have enough time to do it. So, um, yeah, we had to give that up, but it was was a really good time and um, I really enjoyed my time working on that.
0: And that was three years in total?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was um, obviously – as I said, we'd sort of built the stable up from, I think, when I started on the track I might have had two horses in work and I think by the time um, by the time we finished, I'd just taken over a 20-horse barn and mm. uh, just, yeah, time was um, – it wasn't enough time in the day to do it, unfortunately.
0: You were at the crossroads.
1: Yeah, and and look, to be honest, I, I don't think I ever thought back then that um, training was going to be a business. I just always thought I'd have a few horses and – and have a job through the day Um, but uh, as things progressed and um, yeah it was it was just something that had to be done.
0: Damien I'll get you to sit back and relax for a moment we're going to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll come back to you after this. Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube's set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced racing cubes profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations it's salt free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers pride's racing cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags, or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standard breads, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation. My special guest is Wyong trainer, Damien Lane. It was around 2010 when you formed an association with the Victorian brothers, Jack and Eddie Hirsch, who often leased horses to interested parties in any state. They let you have a horse called Benny Blue Eyes, who was a maiden after 10 Victorian starts. You ran second at his first two runs, and then he led all the way to win a Gosford Maiden with Cathy O'Hara in the saddle you were off and running
1: yeah yeah it was um it's funny how things work out john that benny blue eyes actually came to wyong um to another trainer here at the time um mm-hmm. who had a bit of an association with with the hirsch team and mm-hmm. he got off the float and he didn't look real pretty i can tell you and um <laughs> and uh the other trainers actually said to me he said oh i said i don't want this horse he said i've got him on lease he said if you he said, if you pay the $500 float bill and the $100 for the shoes that I just put on him, he said, you can lace him. And mm. um, I didn't have a horse at the time, so I had to try and scrounge up $600. And mm. um, anyway, we took him. And yeah, obviously, um, he wasn't an overly big horse, but oh, geez, he was to this day, he's probably one of the quietest horses I've ever had. Gentlemen. Um, mm. Yeah, just a true gentleman. And, and, um, yeah you know back in the days, i was i remember going to the races i didn't have a float and i'd have to you know try and bludge a float to take him to the races a a, a mate of mine at this at the time had an old two horse straight float that was didn't look real pretty either and i'd borrow it and rock up at these race meetings with him but um yeah look obviously that day at gosford's um a day you never forget i don't think um To this day, it's probably still my favourite win.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, you won a total of seven with old Benny Blue Eyes. He ran 12 placings. He was a beauty. Now, Jack and Eddie Hirsch continued to send you horses, one of which was your all-time favourite, Pirate Ben. You had him from scratch. He had 53 starts, 10 wins, 4 placings, $311,000. You won a Tari Cup with him, you won a Wellington Cup and you won three races in the city. You loved him.
1: Yeah, still do, still do. We've still got him. Um, Hmm. uh, We've got a paddock full of retired horses, to be honest. But, um, look, he was just, he was, so he was a half-brother to Benny Blue Eyes, as fate would have it, and um, he was very similar to Benny in the fact that he just had a great nature. He was a. He was a little, only a little horse, but he chestnut with a white face, and mm. he um, funny. He turned up, and and, and um, they'd give him a jump out down in Melbourne, and said, "Oh, you know, I, don't, I didn't think he was any good." And um, I, I tried him at Gosford, and actually thought the same. <laughs> he hadn't showed me a lot mm. um, in his work or at the trials, and I was going to to port macquarie one day and um i had a couple of other horses in i thought oh, i'll take him up there and give him a, his first start and he got back and done a few things wrong but geez, he just went really good and i thought oh geez there's a win in this horse yet mm-hmm. and um and ended up taking him to armadale and i think he won a maiden up there by five or six and yeah he just um just a real honest horse and um he he done a tendon at one stage and we gave him the time out and brought him back and Mm. Um, yeah, no, it was probably his Taree Cup win was his best. I think he um, he beat a really good field that day and and beat them easy. And unfortunately, he done a tendon in his next start, and mm. um, obviously had to have time out. And look, he did come back, and he after his tendon, he he still won a few more races. He won a Wellington Cup and that after it, but mm. I don't know that he was the same um, as he was before. I think that Taree Cup was he was at his peak.
0: Mm. Jess Taylor rode him in the Wellington Cup. Who was on board in the Taree Cup?
1: Travis Wolfgram rode him in the Taree Cup. He was Travis was a, um, doing a bit of track work for us at the time and um, we had a good bit of success with with Travis. And um, the time when um, when Jess won on him at Wellington, was uh, that was when all the jockeys were in there with the... Um, uh, the virus, so he was in. All the jockeys were in their certain areas. They could only ride in um, zones. Certain, the certain zones, yeah. Mm. And um, and yeah, Jess rode him out there that day, and that was obviously a good thrill as well. Obviously, um, you know, Wellington Boot Day, um, Wellington Cup Day is a big, one of the bigger meetings out in that area. And obviously, I can remember going to their meetings as a kid. So, mm.
0: um,
1: to be able to go out there and win a when a Wellington Cup was really good.
0: You have a reputation for being able to rejuvenate these old geldings by keeping them down on the farm. All but gone has been a ripper for you and Kate. I think you raced him. He won nine, 18 placings and 314,000. He was a bit of fun. All but gone.
1: Yeah, he's another one. He's still here. I can see him now. Actually, he's out the front window of the farm, but um,
0: mm.
1: he... I think from memory he might have paid twelve or fourteen hundred dollars for him as a yearling. Um, and um, funny story with him, the, the name actually suits him really well. He, we had him in work as a two-year-old, and um, he got the scours really, really bad. And mm. um, we had the vets and everything to him. And my vet Brett Jones is a good mate of mine. He's he's from out um, out bush as well, and he mm. um, he knew I was from Canambler. He said, "Look, we've done all we can do for him." He said, "The best thing you can do is find a find a paddock out there out at Canamble somewhere where it's just very dry feed. You know, no no wet feed or anything." And
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we did, and I think he went out went out to a mate's place out at Canamble and he was out there for oh, a good twelve months or more. And um, and yeah, we brought him back, and um, that was we we named him then, and it was all but gone because we thought we were going to lose him. Mm. In the early years, and um, he's been a he was a super horse for us. He's um, he won a country cup at Scone that was that was right up there with one of my favourite wins for sure.
0: Mm. Johnny Roo Boy was another veteran you were able to reinvent. He'd won four in Victoria for the Hirsch brothers, and he was a fair age when he landed at your place. But you won that very good sprint race the kirby handicap on grafton cup day it's a good quality race
1: yeah he was a he was a quirky old horse he's a big a big horse he's another one actually john that we've still got here at the moment
0: Oh, Um, good on you
1: yeah so um but look he's um yeah his kirby win was great he he um and and he was one of them horses he was a very fast horse um run run um you know a couple of good races um well, he was always very consistent he always sort of put himself up on speed and he tried hard but yeah his Kirby win was definitely his best win for us and mm. um he's yeah he's another one that's become part of the family
0: mm. well damien this is an era where people have a great awareness about the post-racing life of these older horses and i'm delighted to say you're doing your bit
1: yeah, that's one thing we, we really make sure that, um, you know, that the horses are, are looked after after their careers and, um, you know, uh, you, you can't be in this game unless you've got the love for the horses and um, that's a big thing now or it's always been a big thing, but especially now to to make sure that they they find the right homes and um, we do that, um, you know, we, we always say to anybody that if we rehome them, if they don't work out, you know, bring them back and, you um, yeah, we've got – we seem like we've got a paddock full of old horses, but they love their life. They get spoiled and looked after. They all look a million dollars. So it's – um yeah, we pride ourselves on that.
0: Yeah, good on you, mate. Congratulations. You trained a mare called Bucking Beauty for a syndicate managed by your good mate, Peter Colley. She did a terrific job, 50 starts, 8 wins, 14 placings, and they talk about horses for courses – she won five at Canterbury.
1: Yeah, she's, um, she was a ripper. She, um, it's funny how things happen, John. I, I remember going to the Gold Coast sales, the Magic Moon sales one year, and to be honest, I didn't, there was no way I had any money to buy a horse, but I just thought I'd, I'd never been, and I thought I'd go up and, and um have a look around. And and uh, I'd, I'd met Pete Poley previously, um, but he hadn't had a horse with me at that stage. And, um... I just was looking around at horses, and I'd spotted Buck and Beauty, and um, I really liked her, and um, got to talking to Pete. And he said, he said, "Oh, actually, she's on my list." And um, anyway, he said, um, he said, "Don't you go running me up." And I, was, I was like, "No, no, I won't," which I, I didn't have the money to anyway. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, funny how things happen. Later that night, I'd, I'd I'd seen that she sold, and later that night, I was out at tea and mm. got a, a phone call from a number that I didn't know, and um answered it and it was pete and he said I've, I've bought that horse i'm going to give it to you to train oh, and dear. um so we put a couple of mates from Canamble and um lee maholland and a few of the guys out there um in her and along with pete and yeah obviously since then um that started the association with pete and we've raced a number of horses since, and he's a, a super guy.
0: Mm. You tell me Buck and Beauty's first foal is on the ground, a filly by exceedance.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's um, lost the lodge just out the road, um, It's you know, five minutes from the racetrack here at Wyong, so I've been out and seen her, and, um, yeah, she's, um, unfortunately, I don't think she got in foal this year, but she's she's got the exceedance foal on the ground, and, yeah, um, Praying that they decide to keep her and race her, but mm-hmm. um obviously you know you know with the them sort of studs that they they do breed to sell, but um if they happen to keep her, then i 'll be definitely putting my hand up to um to try and train her that's for sure
0: both hands
1: yes, yes, for sure.
0: <laughs> it was fellow Wyong trainer Kristen Buchanan who recommended you to well known owner Bruce Mackenzie when she was unable to accommodate an overflow of horses that he had at one stage i think bruce introduced himself to you at wyong races one day
1: yeah yeah that's been um that's been a a long association that's um yeah i'm very appreciative of both Kristen for recommending me and also for bruce for his support over the years with um mm. yeah he's been a, a super supporter and you know um We've been lucky. He's had a, a few really nice horses and, um, you know, the association's strong to this day. We, we, um, we've we still got horses there for him and um, it's, yeah, it's definitely something that's really helped me along the way, that's for sure.
0: For those people not aware of the extent of Bruce's involvement, let me say that he's a retired businessman with a passion for thoroughbreds. He raises his young stock, he spells the older ones, and he pre-trains his racehorses on a beautifully appointed property called Oakfield at Saltash on the main road between Newcastle and Nelson Bay. And I believe he keeps a close eye on everything that's happening in the place.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, nothing gets past Bruce. He's... um He's, as you said he's very passionate uh, he loves his horses uh, he's the same he's got he's got plenty of old retired horses there as well and um, he's got brood mares and young stock and um, as you said he's he's got a treadmill and swimming hole and um, mm. does a great job like it's amazing the horses when they turn up there you know they've done that month or so up with him and um, it's, yeah, they, they come to us fit and ready to go. So mm. uh, he, does, he does a super job.
0: The word Oakfield, of course, appears in the name of all of his horses. And without doubt, the best one you've trained for, Bruce, is Oakfield Missile. Six wins, six placings, $414,000. She won at Eagle Farm. She won at Rose Hill. And she won four at newcastle and one of her best runs was in defeat damien she ran second to three odd in the bell of the turf at gosford one day and there were a few excuses
1: yeah yeah she she was, was a great mare she um from day one um i remember actually kate rode her in a grass grass jump out one day and before she trialled or anything and um knew straight away that you know we had something with a bit of ability and um she she just kept raising the bar and i mean uh, uh, as you said she she was a little bit stiff in the in the group two race or group three race at gosford and, um also a little bit stiff in a couple of provincial championship finals she she made the final Two years in a row, and um, run fourth both years, and just got held up both times, and yeah. it was nearly a repeat, a repeat run year after year. Uh, the two years with her, but um, look, she had that style. She was, she'd get back, and she could unleash late. And um, her win when she won the uh, heat of the provincial championship at Newcastle one day was really good. Um, but yeah, just a a really good mare for the stable and for Bruce and. She's um, she's one of his mares in his broodmare band now, and hopefully um, she can breed one half as good as her.
0: The recently retired Oakfield Twilight was a very good performer for Bruce. Eight wins, fourteen placings. He won two at Randwick, and one at Doomben. You don't mind sneaking one to Brisbane every now and again.
1: No, we've we've had good success actually slipping up to to Brisbane and. Um, you know, sometimes you can find the them races up there um, that sort of suit. And um, with the with the highways that we have got up that way now, it's 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 not an overly taxing run on the horses. And um, yeah, we've been lucky enough to have good success up there. And um, Twilight was a, a a really really good horse for the stable as well. He's another one that he qualified for a provincial championship one year, and um, he. Yeah, you said, he was a Saturday winner at Randwick and a Saturday winner at Doomban and Mm. um, only recently retired and um, he'll go up to Bruce's farm and I'm sure he'll get looked after.
0: Zoracat won some races for you, including a midway at Randwick one day by a big space. Just Field was another handy mare and you tell me she's got a schnitzel filly at foot.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, and she she was a she was a mare that um, definitely had some issues. Um, she come to us secondhand and um, they tell me that she'd had a, a broken jaw as a as a younger horse, and she was very very head shy. Um, she was quite. Um, Quite hard work every day to, to, you know, put the bridle and that sort of thing on. She was just very sort of touchy after she'd obviously had that bad experience as a younger horse, but she was a beautiful mare, big, strong mare, and um, probably didn't see the best of her because of the few little issues that she had, but um, she's obviously going to make a, she's a really well bred filly and she's going to make a lovely brood mare, I feel. And, mm. and Zoro Cat, yeah, she um, she was stakes place. She, she ran a place in the listed race at scone over the carnival and um and as you said a midway winner and she was uh she raced sort of um on for a, a couple of years and a, a really good a really good man for the stable and i'm sure she's another one that'll little breed a really nice foal i'm sure
0: that's Zora Cat. you've mm-hmm. always loved the grafton july carnival never more than last year when you took a little team up there for a week or more And between them, they won four races, Deep Opinions, Propel Motion, Princess Amira, who won a race called The the Mother's Gift, and Too Good To Be True, who won the McLean Cup. It is without doubt, Damien, one of the great country racing carnivals in this nation.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's nothing quite like the carnival at Grafton. It's... um I think it's, you know, obviously we get really busy in this game, but the fact that, you know, so many travelling trainers go there and it's not only obviously the the races, but it's, you know, they have a Calcutta the night before every race meeting and um, it's just the whole atmosphere up there. It's, um, yeah, we we had really good luck a a few years ago and um, way back when I think Johnny Ruboy won a Kirby and Mr McBat won a South Cup and... We actually got trainer of the carnival up there that year, and then obviously last year, mm. we've been going back ever since. And that, and um, but last year obviously had a really good year and got trainer of the carnival again. So mm. it's it's definitely something that you know <clears throat> we start planning a fair bit out to what horses we've got to take to Grafton, and mm. um, we'll obviously keep doing it. Mike Beatty's a, a great man up there and always looks after us, and um, yeah, just a good time of the year.
0: Sonnet Star gave you a few thrills, one of which the result of a win in the Wellington boot with Robbie Dolan in the saddle. It's a wonderful race. Now, Sonnet Star leads me on to uh, the confusion that has been caused by the similarity of your name, Christian and surname, with the champion Victorian jockey, Damian Lane. Now, you tell me early on financial complications arose
1: yeah, yeah. Funny story. I was, mm. I'd only had a couple of horses in work and, um, and sort of, yeah, didn't, my finances weren't all in check, I guess you'd say. And I, um, uh, I can still remember going to pay some bills one day and I didn't have any money in the account. And mm. back then, all my stakes payments money used to just go into an account and I'd, I'd just use it to buy me feed and all that sort of thing. And, mm. And uh, anyway, after investigating it, I was like, well, there should be money in there. And I'd realised that I hadn't been paid any stakes payments off racing New South Wales for three or four months. And anyway, we got onto the top of it to see what was going on. And um, Damien Lane, the jockey, had actually come to Sydney for an apprentice's race. And um, he'd obviously put his forms in to, to get paid for the race. And they thought that I'd just changed my form, my bank details. So they were just putting all my stakes payments into his, oh, his account and obviously um at that stage he was still an apprentice so I was just going into a trust fund or whatever and, mm. um yeah once we worked it out obviously they got it back off him and gave it to me but um yeah that was one instance and another instance I kept getting a bill off um one of the one of the um saddle companies and for some saddles and girths and everything and I, I kept saying well I haven't got it and they f- worked out that they found a, a note and said it was dropped into the jockeys' room at Flemington last on, on whatever date, ah, and That's the
0: penny was, dropped.
1: The penny dropped but that wasn't mine either. So, um, mm. but look, I, yeah, obviously only ever taken the one horse to Melbourne. We took Sonnet Star down, and unfortunately she was quite unlucky in the Red Roses Stakes down there and run fourth. But we put Damien on, and um, we had a good giggle about all that when I was talking to him.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because people have wondered. If you had ever given jockey Damien Lane a ride on one of your horses, is that the only one? Sonnet that's, Star in the Red Roses.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's the only one. We um, She was obviously um, uh, owned by Vinery Stud and that was a, a, a big thrill to, you know, just for a stable like ours to, to have a horse in work for Vinery and um, it was a big thrill, obviously, winning the Wellington Boot and, and then – um, going down there, uh, it was uh, unfortunately I couldn't go um, to down to the to Melbourne because it was when the um, all the lockdown rules were on and mm-hmm. we had to quarantine and all that sort of thing. So Kate went down with her and um, I had to watch it here. But um, yeah. <laughs> I was very nervous watching it on the T V at home when she was held up behind them and mm. she actually flashed late. And I think from memory she got beat under a length and run fourth and
0: Yeah, um, it was under a length, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um but she's she's another one that's actually um I can't remember what she had, but she had a fall to exceed an ex- as well this year. So mm. um yeah, it's it's good when you um, you know, you start seeing the progeny of horses that you train coming through the ranks.
0: Mm. You've had winning associations with several well-known riders, including the veteran Digger McClellan, who's still riding winners in his early 50s. You've won a lot of races together.
1: Yeah, um, Digger was a really big part of the team. Um, Sort of, I guess you'd say the old head with the young head. Um, He was a, a very good judge and I think sometimes um you know as a trainer you can get a little bit ahead of yourself and digger had come up on a tuesday morning and and give it a gallop and you know i might be thinking about trying to take it to canterbury and he might tell me to take it to Taree. so mm-hmm. um it was just good to get that second opinion and uh he uh yeah done a lot of writing for us and um still does occasionally obviously he he's um uh, obviously with, you know, Anna in our stable now and um, he's doing most of his riding up at Newcastle. But, um, yeah, great guy. Um, we're, we're good mates and um, had a really good run over the years.
0: Well, with the government's plans for a housing construction boom in the next few years, there'll be plenty of work out there for a top-class carpenter, Damien, but I've got the feeling you don't fancy the prospect of a future without racehorses
1: no i think it's um i think it's a hard a hard thing to get out of your blood you know as i said i I've, i can remember still remember you know six and eight year old going to the stables and and being hooked and um it definitely hasn't wavered at all yet that's for sure
0: well it's been a great journey so far and at just 42 years of age that journey has only just begun for you We wish you well and thank you very much for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound.
1: Thanks, John. It was a
0: privilege. Time-honoured Carrington Stakes will be 94 years old when the 2024 edition is run at Randwick on January 27. The race is named after Charles Carrington, who in the late 19th century served five years as the 16th Governor of New South Wales. The inaugural winner of the Carrington in 1930 was Pavilion, ridden by the legendary Morris McCartan, who in later years would become one of Australia's most successful trainers. Easily the most notable Carrington winner is the freakish Burnborough, who won the six furlong sprint in 1945, only one week after winning the Villiers at a mile. His amazing versatility was again on display the following year when he won the Doomben 10,000 and the Doomben Cup seven days apart. One wonderful old sprinter to make the race his own in the 1980s was At Sea, who won three carringtons for Theo Green. Another high profile winner of the sprint was Snippets in 1988. This brilliant horse had been the inaugural winner of the Magic Millions a year earlier and later in his career, added three group ones to his CV. He later became a highly regarded sire and sire of broodmares. Snippets died at 17 years of age in 2002. When the Carrington Stakes comes around, you know there's a new year of Sydney racing underway. Saturday, January 27th for the Carrington Stakes.